Please pray with me. Heavenly Father, open our ears and our minds and our hearts for the words that you've prepared for us this morning. In Jesus' name, amen. So I... Going to start out kind of cliche, and I usually don't like to do that. Um, I like to be different and edgy, but so it's New Year's. Uh, so the go-to would be New Year's resolution introduction, um, and I'm absolutely terrible at them. Um, you know, we're starting this new year. Everybody makes resolutions to do better things, maybe be, have better health, um, you know, be a better parent or better worker, whatever. Um, I can probably look back on my life and I think there's probably one that I've kept. <laughs> and, um, and that's only because it was after 2020 and I had just given in to eating whatever um, I wanted to from Thanksgiving all the way through Christmas and into New Year's. And I've was looking at myself and I was like, yeah, I really need to do something about that. And so, like, literally in my 48 years of life, I've kept one New Year's resolution. That's pretty sad statistic. Um, but we have new beginnings all the time. It's not just in the new year. It's kind of interesting that New Year's falls on a Sunday. It's kind of the beginning of our week. So, you know, sometimes we say, I'm going to start this week. Uh, I'm going to do this different. I'm not going to drink as much coffee I, I never say that, but, you know, that's okay. Um, maybe you do. Good for you. Um, or, you know, you're, you've got something to do. All these plans or ideas that you wanted to get done at the house, these type of things. Um, maybe there's a beginning of a job or something like that. So this idea of new beginnings um, is, is not new to us. And it's cool that it starts today, a new year a new week, a new day, and we have our reading from Luke um, chapter 2. And because it's so short, I'd actually like for us to read it together. So it is printed on the back of your bulletin. So if we could read that together. And at the end of eight days, when he was circumcised, he was called Jesus, the name given by the angel before he was conceived in the womb. Now, like I said um, at the beginning, it's one verse, but there's a lot to unpack here. And first thing that we need to unpack is we need to look at the Jewish law, because that's what the kind of background is here. Um, Jewish law required that on the eighth day that the mother and father would take a son to be circumcised in the temple. This was the law. It needed to be done to be followed. And so to be allowed into the temple, we think, well, well why, why the eighth day? Well, Leviticus tells us, it says this, Leviticus 12, uh, chapter 12, verses 2 through 4 says, Say to the Israelites, and this is God speaking, A woman who becomes pregnant and gives birth to a son will be ceremonially unclean for seven days, just as she is unclean during her monthly period. On the eighth day, the boy is to be circumcised. So this is a law that was established back in Leviticus. Mary and Joseph are following that law. Now, when it says ceremonially unclean, we have to be careful. We don't want to misrepresent what this means. We don't want to misrepresent that this has something to do with, with sinfulness. This is a practical matter, a practical cleanliness. 
you know, they did not have the luxury of clean water or modern medicine. Um, childbirth, even still today, can be dangerous, but we've lessened that um, because of our advances in technology and medicine. When Mary delivered Jesus, there was none of that. We had to be concerned about infection, bloodborne diseases, um, the health and, and the stamina, endurance of the mother and the baby. And so those seven days allowed, allowed Mary, allowed the mother to rest before they made the trek to the temple. So a very practical matter of cleanliness. Now, we don't want to get that confused with spiritual cleanliness, which we still need to have today, that spiritual purification, which we did earlier in the service when we confessed our sins and went to the Lord and said, Father, we confess these things, forgive us. And through Jesus, he forgives us and cleanses us. Two different issues. So we want to make sure that we don't tag on that sin aspect to this specifically. So they bring Jesus to the temple on the eighth day. Why the eighth day? Well, we kind of established that a little bit with um, the law in Leviticus. But also, if we look back in Genesis, if we look at creation, we have seven days of creation, created on six days, rested on the seventh, and the eighth day begins anew. And on that eighth day is when God said that the men, the young men, the baby men, should be circumcised and brought into that Abrahamic covenant. On that day, it begins anew. Something new, a new beginning, that eighth day. So also, when the child is brought to the temple, and we sang a song this morning, what a wonderful name it is, the children are given a name. Very important in society. You know, we had fun when Landis, my wife, was pregnant, picking different names. We didn't really look at the meaning. Um, we liked a couple names. Cameron, our oldest, we were like, oh, no, we like that name. And we looked at the meaning, crooked nose. You know, okay, well, you know, in today's society, that doesn't, you know, uh, the meaning of a name doesn't, doesn't hold a lot of weight. Um, now, we did get one right. Um, my, my youngest, Colin, if you know him, his name means warrior. It fits really well. <laughs> um, but, but in this time of Jesus, um, naming a child was extremely important. Um, not only did the parents usually pick a family name so that that lineage could carry on, but they also picked a name that would kind of give a character of, of who this person would grow into be, that they would grow into this character. So the naming of a child was extremely important because the thought was is that by this name, it would help shape and, and grow this child into this, this person that holds this name of, and its meaning. So as we kind of unpack the law, let's look specifically at Mary and Joseph and Jesus. And so we've already talked about Mary. She's gone. She's had her seven days. They go into the temple. And, and Jesus is circumcised um, on that eighth day. She's able to go into the temple. And, and we think about Jesus going into the temple. Here we have God himself re-entering the temple. 
So there was a point when the temple was destroyed, right? And, and in Ezra chapter 6, the temple was rebuilt. And Haggai, a contemporary of Ezra, has this to say. I think this is really interesting. In chapter 2, verses 6 and 7, Haggai says, For thus says the Lord of hosts, Yet once more, in a little while, I will shake the heavens and the earth, and the sea and the dry land, and I will shake all nations, so that the treasures of all nations shall come in, and I will fill this house with glory, says the Lord of hosts. When Jesus is brought into that temple, the temple is filled with glory. God's glory has once again entered the temple, just as Haggai had prophesied, and had filled it with his presence. His holiness, his glory was bestowed upon the temple. Wow, that is powerful. That is powerful. The next step then that Jesus takes begins his walk to the cross. It is his first shedding of blood for our sins. When Jesus is circumcised under the law, it is the first shedding of blood for us. He had to fulfill the law. Now we say that a lot. Jesus came to fulfill the law. That can be kind of hard to understand. And the best way someone described it to me is that he came to show and to do. He came to show us how to fulfill the law. And not only did he show us, he did it. And this is the first step. Becoming incarnate, fulfilling the law, the Abrahamic covenant. And in that moment, in that moment, a new beginning started. A new covenant began. The old Abrahamic covenant that was established is now a new covenant under Jesus. So as we go through scripture, Romans tells us, For no one is a Jew who is merely one outwardly, nor is circumcision outward and physical. But a Jew is one inwardly, and circumcision is a matter of the heart by the spirit, not by the letter. His praise is not from man, but from God. One of the reasons in the Abrahamic covenant for the circumcision was that they would be set apart. The Israelites would be set apart from those around them. That would be very noticeable, a physical mark that would be noticed that these are God's people, that these are God's people. Well, no longer, Paul says, no longer is a physical one needed, but now a circumcision of the heart. And what does that mean for us? It means that we have to look at ourselves, confess our sins, look at how we do not measure up to the law that was established and lay everything solely at the feet of Jesus. Now, when does that begin? 
Hmm, we'll get to that later. The last thing that we're talking about today in this small, this small verse was the naming of Jesus. And we talked about the importance of it. Matthew, I'm going to go back to scripture. Matthew 1, 20, verse 21 says this. But as he considered these things, behold, an angel of the Lord appeared to him in a dream, saying, Joseph, son of David, do not fear to take Mary as your wife, for that which is conceived in her is from the Holy Spirit. She will bear a son, and you shall call his name Jesus for he will save his people from their sin. So not a family name. This name, Jesus, was given to Joseph through the angel. Jesus means the Lord is salvation. The Lord is salvation. Jesus, through his life, would grow into that through showing and doing, fulfilling the law, Showing that he is salvation. And by no other name on earth can one be saved. Why? Because in the name of Jesus, it tells us who is salvation? The Lord is salvation. No other. No pagan God. No God of of any other people group. But the Lord is salvation. And Jesus' name is so important for that. But what does that mean for us? This all happened on the eighth day for Jesus. All of this in one little verse. But what ramifications, if any, what, what meaning does that have for us? Well, we have a new beginning, brothers and sisters, in our baptism. It's our eighth day where we no longer are slaves or bondage, in bondage to sin, where we cast off that sin and lay it at the foot of the cross, where the Holy Spirit enters us and gives us faith and strengthens us and changes us and makes us a new creation, a new creation. 2 Corinthians chapter 5, verse 17 Therefore, if anyone is in Christ, he is a new creation. The old has passed away. Behold, the new has come. We are new. We are made new. We have the fruits of the Holy Spirit. We have those fruits of love, joy, patience, kindness, goodness, gentleness, faithfulness, self-control. I think I missed one. Yes, goodness. If I don't, okay, full disclosure, if I don't sing it, I, I kind of get lost in it, but I didn't want to sing it for you, so I was just kind of going, singing it in my head, and I knew I missed one. But we have those. Those are not natural to us. Sin is natural to us. Greediness is natural to us. Vengeance is natural to us. Selfishness is natural to us. But in our baptism... On that eighth day, our eighth day, where we become a new creation and we have a new beginning in Christ, we are now different. We have those gifts of the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit dwells in us. We are now his temple. Now, 
we do still fight. It is that juxtaposition where we are in the process of being sanctified, which is a very fancy churchy word, which means being made more holy, being made more like Jesus. But we are still sinners at the same time. So we have to acknowledge our sinfulness and repent and ask for forgiveness and lay those at the feet of Jesus. It doesn't mean that we are perfect. We're never perfect. We will not be perfect until we are with Jesus forever on the new earth. At that point, we will be made as we were meant to be. But until then, we have this constant struggle within us even though we are a new creation, but that Holy Spirit is there to build that faith and to grow that faith. And not only that, we are a new creation, but we have a new name. We're no longer, we're no longer outside of the family of God. Now we are sons and daughters. He calls us sons and daughters, heirs, If you listen to our readings, a a kingdom of priests, wow, not outside, but inside God's family, brought in by his sacrifice and given a new name. And with that new name, we have a new purpose, a purpose outside of our selfishness, a purpose outside of what we want to do, rather a purpose for God, a purpose for Christ, where we go out and we let people know the love of God that he has for them. The Great Commission, Matthew 28, 19 through 20, go therefore and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit teaching them to observe all that I have commanded you. And behold, I am with you always to the end of the age. Yes, we are given our vocations. We're given our jobs. We're given um, a circle of influence. And those are all great. Not everyone is meant to be a church worker or a doctor or a teacher or whatever or an electrician But within your circle of influence, God puts people in your life that you can minister to, that you can share the good news with, that you can tell them about Jesus. So yes, you have a purpose in the world where you have a vocation, but your greater purpose, your new purpose now as a new creation is to share the hope that we have In Jesus. And in that last part of Matthew that we just, that I just read, it says, and I am with you to the end of the age. Not only do we have a new beginning at our baptism, we also have a new ending. We are no longer afraid of death because we know that Christ has conquered it. We have a new ending that we get to be with him. We have a new ending that we no longer 
have that fear of sin, death, and the devil because we know that Jesus overcame it for us. And that in our faith, through the Holy Spirit that helps it grow in us, we can stand assured through the death and resurrection of Jesus that we will be with him and not be separated from him like we would have been without faith. So, brothers and sisters, we do have an eighth day. In this new year, this new beginning, I'd like for you to remember your baptism. Because it was at that point that you had a new beginning, that I had a new beginning. We were made a new creation, given a new name, given a new purpose, and now have the hope of a new ending. And with that confidence, that confidence of Christ that we have in us, we can move forward in this new year sharing the hope and love of Jesus to all those in our circle. And that's what we pray today. We pray that for myself, for all of you, in the name of Jesus. Amen.